Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Lachlan. Hi. And Justin. This week we're going to be sitting down and having a chat about medical research and some of the latest areas and trends in medical research, what it's like to actually be involved in medical research, and the interesting places that it can take you as a student and beyond as a career. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. I am an engineer and I don't have a really great experience with biology, medicine, chemistry, but fortunately I have brought along someone with me who does have a bit of an understanding and who's actually working on some really fascinating projects as part of his studies at Monash University in Melbourne. And that person, of course, is Lachlan. So Lachlan, what, are, what exactly are you doing? Oh, so Justin, I do a, uh, a science degree at Monash studying immunology and chemistry. So I have two different majors. Um, and as part of that, I get to do different research projects that um, allow me to actually have laboratory experience while I study. I mean, that's really, that's really fascinating. When you say laboratory experience, you mean actually doing science in a laboratory as opposed to doing a practical session in a laboratory. Well, yeah, and there's such a difference between it. Because when you're actually working with the real scientists, talking about the real science, reading their papers, reading their research and participating in that, it's, it gives you a whole different perspective into like scientific inquiry and what it actually means to be a scientist. So that's, that's really, really incredibly fascinating. It sounds like a great opportunity. But let's take it a, bit, a step backwards first and talk about what did you do in high school and then how you actually got into your degree and what that's like in the base level before you get onto this, this great work you were doing in some labs. So in high school I studied chemistry and physics, uh, math methods. I also liked a bit of art though. I like drama and literature and stuff like that. So I always had a bit of a balance um, between like the science and the arts. Um, so I studied pretty hard, got into the Science Scholars Program at Monash, um, which I was really, really happy with. And one of the advantages of that program are that it lets you do more research and participate more closely with researchers and stuff like that. Okay, so it's a standard science degree at university, a three-year science degree, but with a focus on, an additional focus on research and access to academics and that kind of... That's right, yeah. So it's got some extra subfolds on, yeah. Okay, so in, in, when you entered your science degree at university, what areas did you look at? Did you pick a, some majors originally, or did you pick a broad selection of subjects? Oh, um, when I went to university, I wanted to be a nuclear physicist. Okay. I wanted to study that's, nuclear that's physics. That's really specific. Yeah, well, it's, it's what really interested me in high school, so I sort of wanted to go with that. But um, when you get to first year, they advise you not to focus on something too early, because you're, you should be trying to figure out what you want to do and get a taste of a lot of different areas of science. Well, it's um, also really hard to pick a, a major when you haven't actually done any of them. Well, it's really hard to pick, and also the science you learned in high school, Justin, isn't necessarily closely related to the science you see in the real world. Well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I studied engineering, so there was no actual engineering subjects particularly that related to what I was doing at, at high school. So how do you know you want to be an engineer? What does that actually mean? Exactly. You know? So, so in, when, you, when you apply to chemistry, biology, or nuclear physics, for example, there's not really much of that in any real way at high school. So what kind of subject did you, did you do first that sort of sparked your interest in different areas? And did you still, obviously, still work in nuclear physics area, or did you move away from that? And what caused that shift? So... Um, to start off with, you start pretty broad. So I had um, a basic physics unit, which has a little bit of um, quantum physics, nothing in the nuclear field at all, but just and teaches about forces and stuff like that. 
because first year is a lot about um, getting everyone up to scratch, getting everyone on the same page. So I did some general chemistry, some general physics, a bit of algebra, mathematics, and I also took biology as sort of, um, I call it my joke subject, something I took because I never really considered it or thought it was important. Well, that, <laughs> <laughs> look, that, that's certainly one way to look at it. I, I, I didn't do any biology because I didn't want to deal with blood or animals because robots and electricity was much easier to deal with, to fix, especially to fix when it broke. And I think for me it was also, um, it felt really nebulous, like chemistry, physics or math, you feel like you can um, analyse a system, work out all its variables and solve a problem, but biology felt so complex that it was a lot harder to be able to grasp a problem and actually understand it fully. Hmm. So, so that was your, your sort of first years of study, and after that you would have made a, a sort of a decision about which direction you wanted to head in. Yeah, and what I actually found is I wasn't enjoying physics or math as much as I thought I was, I, I would at all. Um, and I changed direction completely and decided to do a major in chemistry and try out some molecular biology and immunology on the side. Okay, which is, which is if we're talking about it, a really marked shift in direction. And that's kind of, kind of one of the benefits of doing that kind of common first year. Um, as an example, you've got to pick up something that you really weren't originally thinking of and actually found that it was something you really enjoyed. It gave me a taste, yeah, to see other stuff that I wouldn't have considered that was really interesting and also showed me that um, some of the things I really thought I would enjoy I found challenging and not as rewarding as I used to or mm. would think I did. And that, that's, um, that's obviously that's something that is not specifically unique to any university that you study at or even the course. I mean, when I did engineering, I entered into a very narrow field because I had a really specific idea about what I wanted to do. But um, most engineering degrees, such as Monash University or others, they have a common first year where you have to do civil engineering, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, materials engineering, and maths to get an idea of everything before you actually get to choose and specialise. Um, that's really beneficial about helping you decide what's best for you by actually getting you to do it. Yeah, and I think trying by doing even things you might not necessarily um, think of to start off with or even enjoy, it's just good to get that appreciation and try those different things. Yeah, and that's, that's obviously very, very beneficial. So when you did some immunology and you did some actual chemistry in that regard, what did you find fascinating and interesting? I find chemistry really interesting because um, chemistry is the study of matter and we're all made of matter. So that's always sort of captured my imagination. But at a university level... And it helps you give, feel like you're doing something with your life that matters as opposed to student theatre. <laughs> that hurts. Arts matters just as much as the study of matter, Justin. <laughs> But it matters in a different way. But no, like, your terrible wordplay aside, um, I think at university and beyond, um, you really get a grasp of people making new novel materials and doing new experiments to try and analyse and get to the bottom of what we're made of. Not on a subatomic level like I used to like in nuclear physics, but being able to keep people safe, analyse the water supply, analyse medicines, and analyse the body itself um, to try and figure out how it works and what we can do with it. Do you think that's a function of the fact that nuclear physics, particle physics, immensely fascinating, and the problems that you're looking at that are like the foundations of the very universe, what makes everything work, going back all the way to the Big Bang, and such big and scary concepts that A, it's really hard to test, B, even harder to come up with theories to explain it, and C, if you're an undergraduate student, you barely scratch the surface on it. Does that kind of nebulosity about it may make it hard to really appreciate in detail as a career direction? as opposed to something you can see and grab onto 
and you can see that, yeah, I'm working on an immunology and I understand how a vaccine works that I get injected with that prevents me from catching this thing that's terrible. I think that's part of the, um, attract the attraction of working with um, the sciences you can actually hold and manipulate in your hands. I think that's definitely it. Um, also, for me personally, um, the mathematics is a challenge. I think you have to be really passionate or very, very intelligent to get it. And I think I just found that my capabilities and my strengths were elsewhere. But I think definitely the excitement I got from figuring out how the universe worked when I was learning about nuclear physics for the first time, subatomic physics, I think I really brought that to um, chemistry in a more applied field. But those applications, again, make you feel like they're more tangible and, and more exciting. Mm, well, that, that's, that's, I think, something that I can, I, I can appreciate as an engineer. I want to work with stuff that I can feel and I can understand and I can build and I can work on. Um, so I always find that the high-level concepts interesting to learn about, but a very different thing to sort of base my type. So in the areas of immunology and, and, and biological chemistry and so on, were there any particular areas that you found more fascinating than the others that would direct your attention? Yeah, well, um, if you're dealing with immunology, um, that's a lot of sickness and stuff like that. So, um, obviously, when you go straight to the application of that, it's how do you make people stop being sick? Yes, which is very, very important. Yeah. And it's beyond just having an apple a day or seeing your doctor to get some cold and flu medicine and antibiotics when you're sick. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, I think, um, one, the actual cellular and molecular concepts, how the body fights, is absolutely fascinating in its um, diversity and, and complexity. It's amazing. Um, also, I actually um, had a tattoo. So, like, my my mum had cancer when I was going through high school. So, I think um, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I think that was really shaping me um, into thinking: How can I help prevent this? How can I use my intelligence to solve that problem that influences so many of my family members and and, and my personal friends and stuff like that? And it's something that's a, it's a, an issue that you can see, you can grasp with, and you want to try and contribute towards. Yes, and I think if you're going to try and solve a problem and divert. Uh, invest yourself in science, you need to be able to throw yourself in there, be passionate about it. Um, and I think that's a way I can do that. And you found something that you felt like you could help and contribute to society with um, with also exploring your own passion and your own, and your own curiosity. Yes, because I find it interesting and valuable, and I think that's really rewarding. So I think cancer research would probably be the biggest thing I'm into in immunology. So when you were in the laboratory, you mentioned doing some special projects at the start of this. Um, what have you actually worked on? What kind of research have you looked at? Oh, one of my favourite projects that I've done is um, actually working with the Faculty of Chemistry to study cancer and lymphoma, which is cancer of the lymph nodes. So that was using my knowledge and um, in, in chemistry to take that knowledge from one field and make it intersect with another one. Okay. And I think that's one of the best ways to solve problems is to take knowledge from different areas and put them together. That's called cross-disciplinary science or cross-disciplinary research. And it's the major trend that people often don't think about. When the, the stereotype of a scientist is a lone genius working away in isolation on this own thing and then having a flash of inspiration and solving a problem. And, you know, for example, Newton with the formation of his theories around gravity, Einstein with his formations of theories around relativity. It's that kind of single person comes up with single insight genius that that's the idea of scientific progress but in reality especially in the modern era it's all about collaboration between multiple disciplines which is actually what's advancing our scientific research i think that's especially valid in the biological um, areas of research as well um because the mathematician can still do math in his head mm. so what we're using we're using lasers made by engineers and physicists um, to analyze tissue samples using 
algorithms from computational scientists and mathematicians. Um, so immediately that's like five professions and five specialities all working together in the one place there. Exactly, yeah. Um, and some of it's previous research, but then again, some of it's actually people you're working with. So we were working with some immunologists from Michigan who were taking tissue samples from canines uh, who were diagnosed with lymphoma, which is lymph node cancer. And so what we were doing with those is they all were given chemotherapy drugs and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And so what we basically did is we used an infrared laser to analyze the tissues and to see if there was a difference in um, the cancers that responded well to the drugs and the cancers that didn't respond well to the drugs. Right, so you basically, you're running a test on whether or not the laser had any benefit to assisting with the drugs or not. Oh, sorry, um, so the laser is actually used to, to investigate the tissue All itself. Alright, so the, la the laser is the measurement tool to investigate the impact and the effectiveness of the drugs. Yes, and my chemistry knowledge comes in because we're using that laser to see if there were chemical differences um, in the tissues that responded to the different drugs. Right, so basically by scanning it you can look for the impacts of the different chemical reactions that may or may not have happened in those areas as a response to the medication that's been applied to it. That's right, and if it doesn't work, um, then what information can we gather from that? Well, that's, and that's obviously really important. So what were, your, what were some of your findings and what are your outcomes? Um, so what we found was there was a big difference between the dogs that did and didn't respond to treatment. So first of all, that's really good because that means there's a logical basis behind it. We can work with that and investigate <laughs> it. There was some sort of reason and approach behind the drug that actually was having some reaction that was good. That's right. And um, what we found is um, that it was actually the structure of the DNA. So the DNA of the dogs that responded well to cancer um, had different... So the cancer or the cancer treatment? The cancer treatment, sorry. So all these dogs had cancer. The ones that responded well to the treatment had different orientations and things sticking out of their DNA that the ones that didn't respond well just didn't have. Right, so what was suggesting that the reason why this treatment was successful was because of the actual nature of the DNA in the original um, recipients. That's right, but we can see that and infer that without actually looking at the DNA itself, just by taking a reading of how much it absorbs a certain type of radiation. Right, okay. Um, but what's really, really interesting and where this goes into the multidisciplinary um, area is that um, we can actually take these readings and we can build a model, a prediction model based on it. So that now we can take readings and, and laser scans of dogs who, have had, who haven't had treatment yet and we can predict whether or not those drugs will work ahead of time. Right, and now that's, now that's amazingly useful because treatment and drugs and all these kind of things, they're expensive, they're also time consuming and potentially risky for the people involved in the treatment. So being able to figure out beforehand or not whether it's going to be successful is incredibly important for optimizing and finding the best solution to a particular patient's problems. That's right. It makes it cheaper. It also reduces, um, or increases outcomes because you have to act really quickly on cancer, obviously, yeah, yeah. as it spreads throughout the body. So, yeah, and um, so that was made using a multivariable analysis and really powerful computational mathematical tools. And so we found that you can predict with a strong level of um, success whether or not a canine will respond well to the drugs before we've given them to them. And so the next step would be to do the same thing in humans and see if we can do the same thing. And that's really, really fascinating. So what was your involvement in this project and what did you, exactly did you get, were able to assist with and do and how long were you involved with it for? Okay, so I was doing um, a four-month placement over the summer uh, with Professor Baden-Wood from Monash. Um, and so 
because of my privilege being in the um, the Science Scholars Program, uh, you get to actually do an advanced research project in second year of university rather than having to wait till third year or honours. And so what I actually got to do is I was the one operating the laser. So I learned how to use, it, use this laser, get all those tissue samples from Michigan that were already prepared uh, and sent overseas, obviously. Um, and I got to be the one that takes all that data, synthesizes all that data, and then found those relationships between um, the dogs that do and don't respond well to the drugs. That, that was all me. That, that's, that's amazing that you got to be involved in that level of significant laboratory analysis, investigation, and work that often would be out of the realms of um, the hands of a general undergraduate. Usually you would wait until your honours or beyond to do that kind of activity. That's right. I didn't have any special knowledge beforehand. I didn't understand a lot about the project, and I kept learning about the project more and more as I actually was involved in it. So my professor really took me from knowing nothing about it to being able to do problem-solving, troubleshooting, and analysis all by myself. So what do you feel that you'll be going on to study now, because you're entering... Um, you're in your final, your third year now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm doing part-time, so I've got a little bit longer to figure it out. Yep. Um, I'm actually going to be lucky enough to hopefully do two more research projects. <laughs> Before your honours? Before my honours. So I'll have three research projects and hopefully my name on three papers before I actually get into honours. That sounds fantastic. So I'm currently tossing up between doing more analytical chemistry yep. or to do some completely different things to see if I enjoy those things more. So um, I'm hoping to maybe do an inorganic chemistry project, which is making things using metals and stuff like that. So that also has links to the cancer research and cancer drugs and medications and stuff like that. Because I, I think I want to keep working on that stream. But it's from a different approach. A, different from a, a very, very different approach, yeah. Um, and I'm going to take a break from cancer for a little bit, though, and there's another immunological process, a pro project I want to be a part of. Um, where basically, if you change the diet of um, if you change the diet of um, mother mice that are pregnant, um, you can actually prevent baby mice from having asthma in like ninety five percent of cases. That's very fascinating. <laughs> so we actually think that asthma might be nearly entirely linked to the diet of the mother, yeah. with almost no environmental factors. And that's amazing new research that's come out of um labs in Melbourne, and I'd really like to check that out and investigate that. That, that is really fascinating here. So where do you see yourself going with your, with your future? So obviously outside of these research projects you want to do, you obviously in that kind of pathway you're looking at doing a re an honours an honors research project, um, and then what, master's, PhD, I'm medical thinking, research? I think I'd like to do a PhD, but um, after that there's lots of different options, because um, you can go into like a private company and Again, get your hands really dirty solving applied problems, or you can stay more in the research sector and get to do more fundamental research and stuff like that. I've actually always had a dream, though, um, of going to laboratory management and working in a teaching laboratory, um, teaching undergrads how to do good science and um, do experimentation and stuff like that. And that's obviously a really important part of the aspect. As you we were talking about at the start, when you got onto this project originally, you had no idea about anything you were doing. You, you come from a, a background that wasn't really well versed, especially in cancer cancer research, and it was for the the, the tutorship and mentorship of the professor that you're working under that you actually learned that. So it'd be a great way to sort of work on that in the labs and actually help build the next generation of skills. I think so because even if you work in the laboratory, uh, even if you do like labs or practical experiments or whatever, it's not like working with actual scientists, and it's not experiencing the debate and the constant. Um, 
updates and, the, and all the new information that comes with being a scientist on the bleeding edge of research. That's a fascinating direction and I wish we wish you all the best, potentially future Dr. Turpin in your groundbreaking cancer research. Thank you, Justin. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. So in this week's episode, we're going to be looking about immunology and our approaches to helping solve some of the biggest medical challenges that we face, including cancer, malaria, HIV, vaccines and viruses, and antibiotic resistance. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.